0: What is the difference between being punk and being a punk?
1: We are here to talk some punk rock, some music, comics. Punk culture, DIY
2: shit, anything we want to talk about. That's that's what fascinates me. Give me everything. Absolutely everything.
0: I find that that music and comics have always been intertwined. Muckspout. Chicks dig it. Don't worry. (laughs) All right. Hello and welcome. Muckspout episode seven. Uh, we've got, uh, Joan Smith and, uh, sorry, what's your name, dude? Um, I'm yours. And, uh, you guys are from a band called Joan Smith and the Jane Doe's, uh, from my neck of the woods, Toronto. Um, so, uh, how would you like, you know, give the, the standard, you know, three adjective synopsis of your style kind of thing? Uh, but, hmm,
3: three
4: adjectives, uh wailing dance rock
0: cool all right i like it i think that's very appropriate
3: okay
4: cool. yeah.
0: i was definitely dancing at the show i saw you guys at
3: yeah. uh
0: so how long have you guys been doing this
4: uh i guess this band started in 2018 so we got uh, i guess about a year and a half of good in before the pandemic kind of everything down. But then we just started releasing singles after that. So we were still pretty productive during that time, too.
0: Very cool. Very mm-hmm. cool. Uh, did you find that um, the, the lockdown was good for uh, kind of focusing your creativity? Or was it just kind of like you were just hair on fire the whole time?
4: <laughs> um, or somewhere
0: it, in between? <laughs> a little bit of both. For it sure. was both.
4: I think I was losing my mind hair on fire for a while. And Tom was super
2: stoked
4: this
2: <laughs> yeah, is great he loved it Not a whole lot of creativity in terms of like coming up with new material but we were sitting on a whole bunch of recordings that we just never got around to so it was really nice to be able to do that yeah totally and there was mm-hmm. some other shitty things in there
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
4: but yeah, I went. It eventually too. Like in the last bit of the pandemic, Tom sort of set a a deadline for me. I work well on deadlines, and he was like, "Have six songs done or four songs done by this day." And I rented a a weird my friend's weird math tutoring studio for a week, and uh, just cranked out a few songs then. And by that point, things were like I kind of enjoyed not missing out on anything and just sort of isolating and writing some tunes and no one was doing fuck all. So it's
3: great.
0: <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. I've always found that isolation can be good for creativity if you're in the right headspace, yes. you know? Um, Cause it's just, I, it was helpful for me uh, with the writing side of things um, because, you know uh, I didn't have any other uh, excuses not to open the laptop and get to work. So it was yeah. like every day I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing today. And just, you know, write a bunch of garbage and erase two-thirds of it
1: it's weird to talk about the <laughs> pandemic like that because like there was obviously so much horribleness but it was a lot of goodness for a lot of a lot of things especially creativity like I had yep. what 60 pages of a comic together and I ended up pumping out like another up to 211 pages and putting out a book like it just wow. there was like gave you time and you had to focus your energy somewhere because otherwise you'd go crazy at that time. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, for
0: sure. Um, so the recording process during uh, like a lockdown situation, um, can you explain how like that all went down? Did you guys did you guys meet up together? Was there, um, you know? Well,
3: we're
4: actually married, so okay. <laughs> Anyways, so you're in the bubble. <laughs> you're in the bubble. Uh, and at the time, we lived in Peterborough, so for the. American guys it's it's a very not very but it's a pretty small town about an hour and a half outside of Toronto Mm -hmm. Um, so we had a pretty big house we had a lot of space so we had a home studio so amazing that that part I mean it
2: was well there was a big beneficial one of the things that was in the house was this giant freezer you could. fit an entire moose in there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so I just kind of baffled the hell out of it, and we had the best soundproofing little ISO booth,
3: yeah.
4: Um, Interesting. It's very
2: cool. Yeah,
4: my mom's like, Why aren't you storing meat in there? It's like, You yeah. don't need an enormous
3: meat,
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. It's good for amps only, yeah. And for uh, for my American friends, a moose. Is uh, a giant uh, megafauna animal that we eat up here.
3: All
0: the time. <laughs> All the time, yeah. Just pull it in the igloo, you know, chop it up. That is yeah, it's good. Everybody, everybody has a from from freezer. <laughs> That's sorry. right, yeah. Sorry. We call it Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how, sorry, go ahead. Every apartment has one. It's... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. It has to be at least moose size. That's the standard here. Yeah. yeah, um, uh, yeah So uh, you guys have, uh, you know, you're married. So this this musical thing has been going on for a while with you. Um, like how long have you guys been uh, doing it as an item and also individually?
4: Oh, boy. Uh, well, as an item, I guess it did. It started with the Jane Doe's. So it's, it started in like 2018. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, I mean, I guess I've been at it since maybe 2009. I used to have a band called Little Foot Long Foot, um, which did a bunch of stuff and then started playing for some other people. And Tom's been doing this for longer.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I guess, uh, I don't know. I started playing pretty young and then met some people in uh, high school and started some bands. Um, And we were into some pretty hilarious shit. There's a lot of steely dan like a bunch of high school buds learning steely dan songs for some reason nice uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah was really into dinosaur junior and uh very cool and would like got really into jazz and stuff like that and went mm. over to the and then just learned all the scales i could yeah <laughs> yeah
0: there there's a uh a I think amongst musicians there's sort of an unspoken connection between jazz and rock and roll that like i found that non-musicians don't necessarily uh have the same uh understanding of or appreciation for uh like when i talk to uh, people at shows and stuff like that that come up after after we're done i don't know if you guys have the same experience but they're you know all they'll be like oh what kind of what kind of music do you listen to like what's your influences and i'm always like you know old school jazz but also oh I think we lost Eric. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say like old school jazz, but rock and roll, hip hop, metal, punk, all that stuff. And they're always like jazz, like none of, none of the other stuff surprises them. But jazz are always like, huh. So how do you how do you find the uh, welcome back? <laughs>
3: um,
0: how do you find the uh, the the connection is between those two? Because I guess it's a little bit difficult to, to see at first glance.
2: Uh, i I guess like I don't know music is a uh, music in general i guess not not even specific to any of those things uh, hmm. so is I, I don't know you, you, you can never really know how people approach it exactly or where they came from it's just kind of what ends up coming out um, right there's like always people that that you meet that I, we meet all the time and that we've worked with that have different types of ways of learning but it you know if you if it's if there's a way to make sense of that and that's always uh just what needs to kind of happen mm. uh, but i don't know what is sorry what's the connection between jazz and and rock and
0: rock and roll um because i i find that um if you were to listen to uh like an old jazz record like Herbie Hancock, that kind of thing, and then and then listen to, uh, say Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to have much in common, right. but but I, I, I guarantee you that those guys listen to jazz, and that was a heavy influence on their stuff. You know, um, sure. so it's more, you know, this is something that we're exploring in the podcast a fair amount is like how genres are kind of um, uh, they can they can be more trouble than they're worth sometimes. Yeah and like finding the connections between things rather than keeping them in separate boxes. And, you know, like what kind of things do you draw from jazz that, that, um, that you, that, you know, you bring to the table? Um, well, sir, I was going to
2: go back just on that thought of her short is just like, just looking at his career and the way he's, he's created music from, from the sixties, I guess, until like, mm-hmm. like rocket and being like one of the, First, guys, to really cross some of those boundaries into like electro, rock, jazz—you yeah. know, like some of those headhunters grooves, like that for sure. That's got to be coming. Like a lot of the, uh, a lot of hip hop and a lot of, you know, eventually rage is going to be coming from that approach to playing the drums, you know. Mm-hmm. So all of that. It, it definitely all seems pretty intertwined. Like thinking about jazz, most people think of jazz as like, I don't know, an elevator musicy kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh,
5: <laughs> yeah.
2: <but> there's yeah <laughs> shit, you know, and you could like sample four bars, and and uh, and that's essentially what's made up like a lot of nineties hip hop. That's and, true. And the things, you know, and that sort of sound is exactly what. Pretty much every rage
0: drum beat in life. true. Yes. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, there's definitely some swing to uh, um, you know modern hip hop and R and B that um, I think you know that for me the connection is clear. Um, but I, I do find I, you know you only get access to the things that are in front of you in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and. Because musicians tend to be uh, seekers and, and music lovers tend to be seekers. Uh, our horizons are a little broader, but um, there's, um, you know, I, I, I learned this about art when I was in, in university because I took an art history course because I was like, art's cool. History's cool. I'll try both, you know, and uh, I, you know, when you when you start following the line of how everything developed, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. But if you look at Picasso and you look at, you know, like uh, a cathedral next to each other, they're like, how did this even, you know? Right. So, it, yeah, it's just, it's, I'm always curious how, how people, like what things people pull from different, because like you said, um, everybody comes to the table with different influences, but similar ones as well, but they take, they draw different elements from it. Mm-hmm. So what are the main elements, uh, that, uh, you know, um, the Jane Doe's, uh, pull from, do you think?
4: Uh yeah, I mean I guess like since okay originally Tom and I do come from very different backgrounds because he he's like an educated musician and I'm very self-taught whatever. Mm. <laughs> um, but so like what I pull it's it's interesting like when we pull out different things from each other. But like I think one of the first things he bonded about is that we both loved Queens of the Stone Age and mm. kind of cultures like really talked about those albums a lot and and so yeah Queens of the stone age is definitely a very big part of everything that i think that we're doing and cool. then it from there like my specific influences like i'm just uh like jack white's always going to be in the back of my mind or you know all his different incarnations like dead weather is very I mean, Dead Weather's an easy one, too. It's like, there's a lady singing and there's rock.
5: rock. <laughs> of course, that's, that's invariably
4: always going to be a thing that'll happen. That ladies who sing influence. <clears throat> um, yeah, for me, those are the ones that are in the back of my head
3: all the time.
2: And uh, for you? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I I guess, like, just thinking about more of... The, the elements of uh, some of those styles of music um, it's like when we started playing together I think we really sort of naturally kind of musically in, in a performance kind of way we naturally started clicking on uh, our sense of time you know so the, the way we feel a song and the way that a song kind of grooves and it's something that I don't know. I guess we've kind of found that we are quite particular on, you know, having, <laughs> having a bunch of different people involved, and uh, and it, it's interesting too because whenever we have new people involved, like everyone, everyone we've had in the band has brought such such a badass thing, you know, their own their own thing. But there's always little bits that that some of them approach it a different way, or you could you could feel them. You could hear them feeling it another way. Um, so, but that's something that like Joan and I, when we started playing together, it's just like that idea of the way the song is supposed to feel, you know, and if it's supposed to be straight, if it's supposed to be laid back, if this section, which is another interesting thing about Rage, because like we did, we did during the uh, pandemic, we did a Rage live stream, which we're going to revisit. Cool. This, yeah. this winter, yeah. It was so much fun. We learned eight songs, and we, using that that same device, the gym, and we uh, just loaded, our friend Lyle did a bunch of drums. He just played along to the eight songs that we did, and then I threw some bass down and then organized it so that we could perform it um, and have those elements kind of come in and out. But the most hilarious thing that we found is, like, the tempo is all over the place and it's so you don't really notice because it just feels so goddamn good but uh um it's it's kind of comical how much the tempo moves and it makes sense Mm -hmm. the way zach is delivering the lyrics um for certain things to slow down and then you know uh, sometimes it's kind of like really light and funky, and then it just drops into really heavy sludge, you know. So, yep, that's the kind of shit that, like, whenever we're playing with with new people, that's the most important thing is just like the way it feels and and where the time is sitting.
1: So, are the Jane Doe's essentially like the core, like you two, and then you bring in other people to fill around you. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah.
4: So, so like, Tom is the Jane Doe's, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but then when we play with other people, they also become the Jane Doe's
0: and so. he's not an honor, so
4: are, really, but yeah.
0: <laughs> what are the, what are the pros and cons of, of, uh, having like a sort of roster of musicians that you work with? Because, you know, most of the bands that I've been in, especially as a drummer, it's like when people find out I play drums, they're like, I want you to be my drummer forever, yes. you know? And, um, and like, you know, it, it. I, I end up kind of dancing in other circles because drumming is kind of a mercenary deal. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the bands that I'm in, it's like a fixed kind of situation. So uh, can you kind of like lay out how like what works and what what you find challenging about kind of, you know, exploring different people all the time?
4: Totally. Yeah. Because um, the my other band from the past, Little Foot, Longfoot, it was always set people like Mm -hmm. I did not I had never like really even occurred to me to have the concept of like subbing people out if somebody couldn't do something so there was a lot of times that I was available and maybe presented with like a cool opportunity but I had to say no because Mm. I wasn't available or the organ player wasn't available because we're a set group of people so that was a huge bummer and so mm-hmm. when I started this project, it was part of it was like, well, as long as we're there, we're going to make it happen. And even there was like a time when Tom was on tour when I, I was offered something and I was like, well, I'll just play with the drum machine by myself and I'll just, I'll do the gig. So it's like, it's always about making it happen. But obviously having, having, core members is also a beautiful wonderful feeling of all feeling like a bunch of pirates on a ship and you're all gonna <laughs> you're all a team and you're gonna go fuck shit up wherever you go and yep all feel each other and you can read each other's minds so getting to know somebody else the way that they groove or like the way that they
6: smell
3: or whatever it is, <laughs> smell is a of
0: that
6: comes up more than you'd think yeah if you can deal with that smell yeah <laughs> yeah
0: totally. especially me i i i drum without my shoes on so like if i worked all day it's like sorry guys <laughs> <But> yeah.
4: <laughs> so, yeah it's like it's really cool to be able to play with all these different people but like Recently, like we've had the good fortune of mostly playing with uh, one bassist named Vivian Wilder, and she's an artist unto herself. But she's super rad and we get to hang out and she understands where we're coming from and we understand where she's coming from. And so becoming more of a team is amazing. It's like an amazing feeling, but also she's like we have a gig in January and she's like, shit, I'm going to be away in Mexico. So it's like, wow. then we have another amazing bass player named Andrew Bolas who can do it as well. we're like, we can still do the gig. So
3: fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: that's great. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You guys must be pretty damn good at this. If uh, you have people just like kind of lining up to, to <laughs> take the gig, like that's, well,
2: that's pretty it, badass. It is. Uh, it's, it's more like, we we have a lot of pals that play music um, and it would be nice to to have a band that is that is one thing but you know they're all busy as hell yeah. so it's mm-hmm. there's, like there's there's a certain insanity that you have to you know you, you need to be willing to to sacrifice a lot of things to dive into this idea of making original music especially um this sort of style these days you know because it is you know it's it's just tricky it's just tricky to make the whole thing work and to to yeah. see any gains um and especially when things are kind of working like Joan was saying it's, it's just like you want to be able to to get the next gig and be able to feel confident that someone can do it, you know, that the whole band can do it. Yeah. Um and as long as we're there, then then we feel good about that. And now that there's a bunch of people that we know that can do it, hopefully one of them isn't busy touring <laughs> Yeah. Um, right. Because it's a whole the lot world more successful than we are right now. So. Yeah.
4: But yeah, like it's the world we live in too because we play for other artists as well. Like we are like it's our full time job. So right. we're juggling whatever we can to, like, we want to be doing, like, this would be what we always want to do if we could, but the world of original music is, as much as we want to be in it for the money, it's <laughs> not
0: yeah.
3: mostly the case, so we do what we do.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's something that I, I, I have that insanity too, and I don't really understand it. Spent the last twelve years gigging in Toronto, trying to figure out why the hell do I keep showing up for these gigs? Like, yeah, I can't help it. Yeah. yeah, Like when I when I tell people, it, I'm like, it's it's a compulsion.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're fucked up, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: What's yeah, right? yes. yeah. I so, what is it? So, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that's like. The same thing, Eric probably can speak to this, is any creative, any writer, any like artist, anybody, you're drawn to it because you have a passion for it and you want to do this. So, like you said, it's, yeah, do you want to get out of it sometimes because it's a pain in your ass? Fine. But you're going to keep doing it because fuck all if you can you know, get the hell out of that. It's, it's just a mindset. And you love it? You yeah. It.
0: So. For sure. Yeah. What is it that you like could you quantify what you get out of it though um is there is there like like, because for me it's like the feeling of being on stage and and hearing the crowd react after a song ends i'm like best drug in the world Mm. i i don't need anything else
2: yeah totally yeah yeah. when when it's all when it's when you're connecting with a crowd and and uh everybody's having a great time there's there is absolutely no better feeling and and yeah, then going go thinking about it the other way, it's just like anytime uh, there's even a break from performing, whether it be like we got to write some songs or whatever, or go away for this amount of time, there's certainly a feeling that's just like you start maybe I don't know making weird decisions, getting drinking a lot more, just <laughs> like I need I need this fix. I need to get out there and yeah. And, you get the itch, you know? So
4: yeah, definitely. I, I really, I never appreciated what performing live did for me to the full extent until the pandemic. And when I, we hadn't done it for months and months, and then it's like, I did feel kind of dead inside. And it was only when I started having a few gigs lined up that I was able to get on stage a few times. It's like my body started functioning again, even like, like there's just, I was so in this like potato mode and like the only thing that like could get me out of potato. It's like I can go to the gym, I can eat healthy or whatever, but it's really, it's just being on stage is what makes me feel alive.
1: And you did a lot of live streaming during the pandemic, right? Yes. Like that. That's not even like comparable, is it, to being on stage? Like oh, no. Weird. seeing the number of how many people are watching, but not seeing the people watching. Yeah.
4: yeah, I mean, we we made it work, and it was it gave us a sense of purpose, and it was good. But oh my god, I don't want to have to ever do that again. Really?
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really actually you know, speaking of what what Eric was saying earlier about, you know, that there was some silver linings to uh, the experience uh, that we all went through. And one of them for me was I finally had an opportunity to see the real difference between watching a show and being at a show. Yes, And like how that feels. Mm -hmm. And like I realized there's a thing that happens when everybody's in the room together. Mm -hmm. It's just I don't know. It's the soul. I don't know what it is.
6: Even but. from an audience perspective, I was feeling starved, and it was so cathartic going to those first shows after yeah. things started yeah. to open again because it was just music is such a bomb to the soul that it's it it just heals, and to not be able to have that in your life, uh, you know, like you were saying, it 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 feels, you know, like you were going through the motions day to day in COVID times. But if you're not out there and actually enjoying life, you don't realize how depressed you are until you're allowed to break that mold. And it's yeah, yeah, it was amazing seeing my first band out again. So yeah, totally agree.
3: No feeling
4: like that, like we would be watching like YouTube videos of live concerts that yeah. happened in the before times, just to yeah. be like, oh, member, look at all those yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, right. Having a nice <laughs> time. It's like, but like, versus like, oh, I'll watch my favorite band do a live stream in an empty yep. studio and it sounds pristine. It's like, nah, that's fine, but I want yeah. to in front of a thousand people. <laughs> like, I
3: want.
4: Yeah,
6: it, it was weird seeing even bands that rented out an entire hall. Like I saw the Hold Steady played at the Brooklyn Bowl and it looked like a normal set. And then you go to the part where there should be applause and it's just silent and they're panning across and there's like three people that are working the cameras and stuff and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, it was gosh. like a so, like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. weird because it's so rocking during the performance and then you're like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. I, I need yeah. that applause. I need to hear other humans. Yeah, it's so weird.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: yeah, it just feels so yeah. really weird to be like, ah! and then you stop and then there's just silence. And you're like, oh, let me check the computer. I need to chat with
3: someone. <laughs> 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 right. <to>
0: yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, for me, it reminded me of like, you know, when I was younger and I first started getting into into like going to live shows and that kind of thing. Um, so many times I would go to see the the headliner and there would be an opener there that was like, holy shit, those guys are awesome. And I would look them up afterwards, buy their album, whatever. And I would listen to the album and I would always be like, <sighs> Yeah. You know, it's just not the same because my first experience of them was like they were in front of me. Yeah. I could see I could look into their eyes. And yeah. after that, it was like the studio just didn't feel the same, you know. Um, but, you know, speaking of studio, how would you because you guys have been doing this a while. Like, how would you uh, describe um the The difference between sort of the recording and the studio process and the actual figuring out songs in front of a crowd of people and seeing what sticks,
2: like in terms of like how how do we um, how do we go about finishing the song based on how it feels between either us or how the audience reacts.
0: Yeah, like is the audience a part of your calculation or? uh actually
2: it hasn't been so far we've just been trying to get our
4: i guess i do consider that when i'm writing
2: we we think about it in moments of of the song like how how could this hit but they're 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 never really uh tested on an audience yeah
4: i guess we just sort of dive in and record right and and then a demo is sent to whoever we're playing with and then So you record first? Yes.
0: Oh, cool.
4: It's pretty much a recording first situation before it's like a working out in front of an audience situation. There are certain things to certainly learn once in front of an audience, and like I mean, I'm always concerned about Mm. like how much can I sing and then how much can I play, Mm.
3: and like Mm. what
4: the best way I can perform and emote in between. So, and I'm still figuring that out there's a couple of songs that like i'm playing guitar on the recording but i like now i'm like no i don't want to play guitar on the song i just want to be the front person for the song and just deliver yeah because musically everything else is being covered anyway so yeah that like that stuff is more of figuring out in front
2: of people we really go about it live for sure yeah. well this uh, this last batch of tunes that we haven't released yet was kind of the first time for this project that we've been able to just get everybody in a room so we got five of us in a room and uh, and just kept playing the songs until they kind of started to work you know um yeah it's good because there was a lot there was a lot more physicality like joan was singing all the lyrics and uh, and everybody was moving around. And it's, like, really not until, again, like, everyone is, is sort of feeling it the same way that it uh, started to make sense. Which is something that can, you know, has definitely uh, got us into problems with <laughs> previous recordings, you know, when you're trying to do it very, I guess, A, on a budget and very, like, safe studio styles you know where you're building it all like there there was some live elements to recordings before but uh, for the most part like we just keep the drums and then rebuild from there you know um, so it's it was exciting to work that way for this next batch that's uh yeah. not really- Do you
1: find that there's some songs that evolve as you rotate in and out different members playing with you? Like, does does that add or change anything in what you've got?
3: That
4: they're evolving? I mean, I guess it's like one of the, like, downfalls of having the constant rotating cast is that sometimes you're not, you're not given the opportunity to evolve. It's because when you're working with someone new again, you're like, all right, now you get to learn the songs. So we have to stick with the way it's recording versus like, let's stretch this out or let's do this. Or like, yeah, it's like the other night I like decided to like lie on the floor while I sang through part of it. But I'm like, am I, is this gonna throw anybody off because I've never done this before? But yeah, like, and that's one of the things that if we get to like tour over a long period of time that would be rad But so far only Tom and I together have been able to build that language where we could start fucking around. But then meanwhile, we've been with the tracks. So we're stuck with the tracks. Right. Obviously. So it's more about like what will we visually do? Or something like that, But it would be a huge luxury and hopefully a goal soon to have a, at least a whole bunch of dates with, same people, and then we can start letting things organically evolve a bit more.
2: Right, because we haven't actually done that with these guys. No. But yeah, no things things are they, you know that's sort of a thing that happened the first time around is is we, uh, we recorded these songs and then started playing them and then they started changing and feeling better and it's kind of just like oh shit I wish that was a part of the totally. part of the thing that we did but. Um, but certainly, having different people like I think when we were going into this recording, I was talking to Joan about like maybe for for this song we could have these guys, and then that song we could have these guys, and like, and it's even like this section maybe this guy could do this <laughs> it's one. Like, oh was getting insane, you know. So <laughs> right, yeah. Let's uh, see, pull that off live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are you going hey, like this, Trevor in. This,
4: yeah. this, yeah, <laughs> this is
3: too much. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but there are certainly things that uh you know when when different guys play it uh different sections will feel different. will sections of songs can feel different um and sometimes that's that's totally rad. Um I mean it's 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 all good. It's just kind of like it's just a little different.
0: Yeah. how do you know when to stop though because like what you said about like oh let's you know you get real granular about how you're gonna put things together it ends up looking like that pyramid in the Lego movie you know what I mean where it's like just all these arms and like a satellite dish and stuff like how do you know where to where to go I think we're good here
4: yeah I mean that's I'm I'm always I'm always more willing just to be like i oh, it's okay <laughs> it's good. it's gonna be fun. like yeah. Tom's brain will, well will go and go and go yeah.
2: I, that's that that is like that's always the worst part of the whole thing. for me, You know, it's when you're like there, here it is. Everything's there, right? It's all. In this <laughs> yeah. Thing. And then I always find that like, I'll dig and dig and throw a bunch of shit at it. And then most, of the, most of it will just kind of end up, you know, going away at some point point, you just keep one little element. But, uh, That was again like another big part of approaching it more as a live recorded situation where it's like it's nice when you could play it together with everyone and everyone kind of naturally fills these spaces in that you would otherwise be thinking about how do i fill these spaces and then something spontaneous happens and it's it's just so much better than you could ever dream up really you know so right so it, it is, the, the the goal is like, how how stripped down can it be? How, like, how do we get rid of every element that doesn't need to be there, you know?
5: Yeah.
4: Editing, well, in writing was like the best writers know how to edit
3: themselves.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, I, Neil Gaiman said that, uh, you know, the first draft is for figuring out how the story goes, and the second draft is for making it look like you knew all along.
3: Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, you guys have uh, uh, new tracks that are going to be recorded soon. Is that is that the, uh, the idea?
4: They're almost all done. We just have a little bit more to finish up, some harmonies and some guitars to finish up and uh, get it mixed and mastered. And it'll hopefully be out in the first half of
6: 2023. Oh,
0: great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the million-dollar question of the 21st century, EPs or albums?
4: Ah. Well, we have six new songs, but we mm-hmm. have been throwing up the idea since we released so many singles during the mm-hmm. pandemic.
3: None of them if, have a hard copy.
4: None of them have a hard copy, so we could potentially just crush, like, the one side of all the new songs, and then the other side is all the singles, and then it is an album because we... So far, we've only released an EP and singles. So maybe okay. we'll release the whole thing as an album. I don't know. <laughs> we have to decide. It's a great idea. Yeah.
6: That has yeah. my vote. So.
0: Yeah,
3: that has my vote.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. awesome. Lots of people do that now. I was noticing um, uh, there's a lot of bands nowadays that they'll release songs as singles. And then when they release the next song that's going to be on the album, they'll release the single as the two songs and just get it push back up in the algorithm so it's kind of a way of like cheating the system a little bit i think that's actually kind of a smart idea if we're gonna you know if spotify is gonna be the way everybody does things we're gonna have to find a way to make this work you know
4: totally yeah, exactly. yeah. and it's like i mean who knows what our listening habits are compared to other people's but it is nice to just download a full album and then put it on so mm-hmm. it would be great to have a lot of people who haven't heard the singles, like, like, okay, now you've downloaded the whole album. If that's how people listen to albums, I don't know anymore. It's like, (laughs) you listen to them on the subway, on your phone with like the speakers on, and annoy people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's another thing that I started thinking about a lot when, um, you know, when in the before time, in the Mm -hmm. dark times was that uh, I I realized that um, the audience isn't, like, they're an essential part of the process. I didn't really think about it before. I was like, I got to get people out to my show. But it's like, no, nah, it's their show too. Like, now I'm kind of realizing that. So finding an audience is always such a weird thing because it's so organic. I always find it funny when you play your first couple shows with a band and you get, you get off stage and someone goes, you remind me of so-and-so. And you're always like, "What? okay, I'll take it.
3: <laughs> and you kind of
0: find out what you sound like from them, you know? Right. Um. So finding an audience, like how, like how do you know when you found what you're looking for and you can see it in the crowd and how they respond and like what kind of feedback they give you?
4: Mm.
2: Well, I mean, I guess uh, speaking to what you were saying before, I think we kind of just like jumped in and braced, Embrace that idea of um of having uh associations with other sounds that have come before you know and uh it's for a band that's kind of like starting out but feels like you kind of have something and you just you want people to be there and you want you want people that understand and enjoy the things that that uh That we're trying to make you know the sounds that we're trying to and the feelings that we're trying to put out there um and i you know for us that's like people that like to to move and and uh you know feel feel something that is like heavy and powerful um so what we started doing is is doing these shows that uh are just like i said embracing those influences so we did this 20th anniversary of uh queens of the stone age so it was just like well why don't they songs for the death yeah yeah so so why why don't they be the headliner except we'll perform it and then uh random people will come because of that but we'll play our set beforehand and then so on very cool we're doing the same thing with rage and it would be really funny and fun to just really fuck it up and do like a Kate Bush night or something.
4: Yeah, but- we're always like rolling <laughs> over. But yeah, it's like Kate Bush would be a tough like I don't know if you bring in Kate Bush fans out how many of them would be into our music, but <laughs> at least with the so far with the Queens one, it it went really well. And it, I think it, it paired up well with who came out to see both. Yeah.
0: Things. I think you might be surprised because, I mean, you guys like Kate Bush, and you also like your music, so you know it, it might not be that rare.
4: Yeah, maybe yeah. not. Maybe not.
2: Yeah. So just to keep it, just so it doesn't have to be so steeped in all the same types of stuff. You know? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Too similar. Yeah. So
3: you,
2: you
1: guys, guys got have any questions? Uh, yeah. So um, as far as songs go. I know you had you covered a Nirvana song that was in a great cover. Thank uh, you. So going back to, but uh, you also had a song that came out during the pandemic um, about horny for a pandemic. Is that oh a- yeah. <laughs> And uh, was, how did that come about? Uh, <laughs> a lot of people were singing about pandemics at that time.
2: It's uh, it's actually something I wrote with a band I had in uh, college called Slutty Slutty Bang Bang. <laughs> name No, but I don't know if we, we, we never actually recorded. That was kind of like a song that we performed maybe in the last two shows or something, but uh, yeah, that's how long ago I wrote that song somehow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of just sitting on the shelf and Joan was just like, well, you got to finish the song because no one's ever going to listen to it after this goddamn? Pandemic. yeah we
4: were on like a fucking <laughs> we a skype hang out with a couple of friends having drinks over skype um uh, yeah and then tom brought that up and then we were all like
3: yeah <laughs> this needs to
4: happen yeah. like, never be released after this point no one wants to hear the word pandemic in a song oh, again yeah. uh, like it's ever. true so it was like it happened that's not where- making
1: the album right <laughs> yeah <laughs>
4: Yeah, but it was, like, we, like, adapted the lyrics a bit. <laughs> and then we got, we have a dog. It's looking yeah. down the face.
3: She wants all the Just yeah.
4: a <laughs> <laughs> um, And then we got this uh, artist, Friendly Rich, to contribute as well. He's, we're actually playing in his band right now on a few days. Very cool. Yeah, he's a super cool artist. And he added a whole bunch of super rad weirdness to the song as well and really embrace the concept so
0: that's yeah. awesome
3: yeah
4: like yeah. the best line he had in that is that uh you invested in the wrong bomb like i thought that was such like a brilliant <laughs> line it's like right yeah it's just germ warfare is all we need you know
0: yeah it's true <laughs> it really <depends>. it's true <laughs> uh so you guys talked about um Rage a little bit, and it's clear that like message is really important in your music because your lyrics are very, like, they're not. It's it, you, there's a lot of uh, intentional meaning it feels to uh, to to the songs. So um, I'm curious, uh, how do you see, like, because you can people can write music that does that can be interpreted in a million ways. Like last week we had an interview with buddy of mine that I'm in a band with and we're purely instrumental. And there's a power to that because it's, you know, the, the audience can interpret it how they like. And, you know, the name of the song will give them a hint, but they can kind of see whatever they want in their head. Um, but there is something very clearly very powerful about music and and the message it can deliver. Uh, and you know, we're a punk rock podcast, so it's kind of, you know, punk is about message over, anything else I think. Yes. Um, So what kind of message uh, do you uh, do you find kind of like ends up coming through in in your writing?
4: Uh, I mean I certainly with my lyrics it's like I I try to write from experience no matter what and that's always going to be being a woman who's dealt mostly with Men in the music industry, my whole life, and
3: Mm
4: -hmm. uh, like the title track from our EP, like I wrote about Gian Gomeshi, like like, right back when all that shit was happening, and um, but so it's 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 like a lot of feminist leanings. There's a lot of environmental concerns uh, in like the last couple of years, like the amount of like white supremacy that seems to be coming more and more in the forefront and how disturbing all of that is, it's like, those Mm -hmm. are like the main messages. Like that's always been like a very, I'm glad, I'm really glad that you take that from it because that's really important to us to have music with a message. For sure. for sure it's like it's not just for like i love to love or i love to drink
2: <laughs> yeah and, you know that stuff is great it's fun too, too but... but it's it's like it's it's gonna be there it's gonna be there you know if, if you think about something if you go a little bit deeper like and try to express some sort of issue you have with yourself or someone or society or government you know like it's uh all those all those other ideas are are just a a piece of that you know and and then Mm -hmm. it it becomes relatable once you start throwing those things in there um and then at the at the same time people could kind of like your instrumental band stray into different directions um with how that actually relates to them and yeah uh, what it means well
0: that's a very fascinating thing about even being in an instrumental band is like because the origin of the band is a very personal thing so the the front man uh, lost his voice to cancer which is why we have a purely instrumental project the band is his voice now and so you know that is a very personal thing but for but people like they're so receptive and they and like they hear the music in the music they can hear that that is what we're doing that there's a an underlying purpose to what we're creating which is we are Rui's voice and like the personal becomes the universal because we can all connect with that and you know I was wondering if you can speak to like you know the two of you are married and and so I'm also in a long-term partnership and I understand that you know uh, when something happens, uh, to, to Kim, uh, my partner, it also happens to me and I don't necessarily feel it the same way, but I do, I, I get a deeper understanding of how it would feel to be, uh, not a dude put simply. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what have you, like, what are both of your experiences with dealing with, uh, having a female fronted band? In uh, in the current era,
3: you want to answer that first. Um,
2: uh, yeah, I guess there's there's always um, there's always I guess things that people put in their head as you know stereotypical ways things go. Mm-hmm. Uh, some one of the one of the most unbelievable ones for me, you know, was when we first started out and we're just kind of like cold calling and trying to make, trying to make anything work. And, uh, you know, and Joan's frustrated, she's not getting any responses. And, and, uh, there, there was certain times where she would, I would just be like, well, let me try. So, you know, Mm -hmm. as soon as I start, then we have a whole different conversation, a whole different email thread. And, and it was, is Bizarre to see the whole thing, you know, because I'm looking at my email, but I'm also looking at hers and I'm like, how is this? We're talking about the same thing. We're
0: doing right, asking
4: the same questions. And
0: uh, yeah, have yeah. you considered misspelling your name as John for like your emails?
4: Uh, yeah, it's a good idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> I myth yeah, because
0: it's,
4: yeah, because I think sometimes, and you could tell. Uh, a male that like oh yeah yeah but you're just you're overblowing that mm. um,
2: and, and then, I think that that's probably the way I, I thought of it just like oh no 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 it's,
4: no no it's just probably you're putting it wrong or that guy's just like that and then it was like literally I was like look at what he wrote to me <laughs> look at
2: what yeah. to and you not always <laughs> not always just men too right like sometimes.
4: oh women as well like in general like it's just it's hmm. there is like I always feel like I have to be way more accommodating and like super friendly. And if I make any kind of demand, it's like, Oh, that's going to get taken as something like, Oh, she's a bitch. Like there's mm. so much of that. So it's like the more as, as I age, it's more like, I guess, cool. If you think I'm a bitch, that's part of my persona. And like Tom has said that some of, some of his friends like really knew me but only knew me through like the music or the internet yeah. they thought that I was terrifying
3: <laughs> yeah that I, was I was really like, scary
4: yeah. yeah I'm so scary <laughs> like in real life I'm mostly goofy and uh, introverted so but like cool let's run with the fucking I'm terrifying because I have an opinion and-
0: well that I can relate to because <laughs> yeah. I'm a gigantic dude and so like men and women equally are both or, are, are like, hi. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I have to, I also have to kind of like change my posture and speak a little more softly right. um, to, to, you know, not come off as an ex con,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, cause I have a bit of an intensity to me. I know that.
3: Right.
0: Um, yeah, but I don't, you know, it's not the same thing. People aren't assuming, uh, Things about me, they're just you know that's that's just wiring. You know, I'm a big dude, so react accordingly. So di- I think Brand it's a, like a different a thing guy. when it's cultural. But I Brand. find it interesting yeah. that you said that women do the same. Th- that you have you've had similar sort of stereotypical issues uh, with uh, people from your own gender. So it, it's like brainworms, then I guess.
2: Yeah, I think it's built into the way the whole society approaches
0: gender and. And yeah have you seen a change over over the years
4: it's like for better or
0: worse
4: yeah i think it well there's certainly more awareness now like even recently someone had pointed me pointed me towards this like uh gmail plugin about to stop you from sounding indecisive and less direct it's like mm. oh i that would pro i would actually probably maybe think that's a good idea like gmail's just like no say you want that <laughs> i'm just saying that. and it's but it was like directed towards me because another woman was like this is a useful thing to have and it's because it is being spoken of more just in that. but then it, there's also the other side of that now where it's like oh well you can't be a karen you can't be too demanding because then you're a karen so yeah but and that's something that a lot of women do to each other as well. as like, well, you're being a Karen now. It's like, well, when? Is, so can I ever just say what I want? <laughs> like just directly. Yeah. I'm, but I've like seen Tom so many times like give very just like direct response. Like this should happen. And then the person goes, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That
3: just happened. <laughs> you can do that?
4: <laughs> <laughs> people say, okay. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's weird, yeah. It's like a societal thing, and I think people are becoming more aware of it, and that's great. And but I mean, like, meanwhile, I'm still a white woman, so I have lots of easy paths that I don't have to deal with a lot of things that a lot of other people. It's true. Do. Yeah,
0: that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find that that uh, still rears its head from time to time as well, though? The um, you know the specter of skin color. Uh, at, a, at a at a show, because I found that, you know, like I came up early, and uh, you know, it was mostly white kids in my town, so it wasn't really something we had to think about too much. Mm-hmm. But we did have skinheads show up, Ugh. and they were not welcome. And we made it very, very fucking clear. Like it was a general rule that if someone shows up and they they seem like uh, they, uh, you know, they might have mind comp in their in their back pocket, it's like. You go, you come over, and you go, "Hey, man, what are you doing here?" And you make you make it very clear that they're not allowed in. Right? Um, have you run into anything like that?
2: Ooh, at shows or anything?
4: Or? Fortunately, I don't think we've encountered
3: anything that awful. A show?
5: Either. I mean, not at, I at
2: shows. Think. Yeah. Yeah. We see that kind of stuff happen more often than than it should, for sure, or for witches at all. But, uh, but um, I don't ever encountered anything like that at the show.
4: No, no, it's like I mean, like we were in uh, Budapest earlier this year. Oh, cool!
3: There,
4: and we we played a little show there. Very cool. There is this very weird, creepy old man who was like lurking around, who like immediately. like as soon as we walked in just sort of like pinpointed us and start like immediately too close and being like, yeah, just like trying to hug like immediately and all this stuff. And we were both just kind of like, I have a safety with Tom, like he's my partner, he's a big dude. So I can just sort of go over and be like, okay, I'm okay. But that guy went up to, uh, a group of like young students I think it was like partially like a student bar as well and went up to these young ladies and there was this awesome young black woman and she just ripped into him like I mean, like don't fucking touch my friend you're a fucking creep I just said all the things that I wanted to say but I don't feel like I can because I was playing and but then she like turned to me right after it's like I love your music it's so good and I was like oh this is the like most disturbing moment <laughs>
0: it's like the, the two best things that could possibly happen at the same time
4: <laughs> yes, you're the coolest human and you also like our
3: music oh my god
0: that's amazing
4: so, so great i'm like yeah like she was just i loved seeing that maybe it was also like it doesn't happen very much in toronto i don't see like yeah. calling out other people that directly just like fucking
3: stop. Um, You're awful. <laughs> like, just, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> what was it like playing in Europe? Was it like similar deal, or is there like a different vibe there with the music scene?
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there definitely would be. I guess for that, you know, we've we both spent a lot of time there with other projects but not so much yet with this band uh we're trying to do that but this one was kind of just because my brother's living there he managed to get us on it was like a collection of like blues artists or something and and because he knew the presenter he was happy to have my brother you know just put something forward um so we uh, we did just a couple songs, really. Yeah. Um,
4: but in general, Europe really does seem to embrace rock a lot more. Like I have toured with a rock band out there, and it's like people do seem to lose their minds more
3: than they do in Canada, at least. What do you
0: What do you think is missing in in the Canadian scene?
3: Oh.
0: <laughs> worms.
3: <laughs>
0: Let me count the ways. Uh yeah.
2: The, uh, yeah. There's a there's a lot of differences for sure. I mean the whole geography of it fractures the, the way uh anything is actually feasible in any kind of right. tour. You know, so that that immediately fractures the whole thing and then uh you know it's like one really funny thing about Canada is like you can, you could play a club show, and then the next day plays. I, I don't even
0: know what to describe. Like it. a milk crate outside Kensington Market.
2: Yeah. Or like some something some really stuffy thing where like for some reason, mm, yeah. You know, I, I I don't know. It's it's like the way it's promoted is not, uh, is as fractured as the geography of the, the Mm. so I find, I mean, when I've toured with other artists, I've never been on the side where I'm like dealing with, dealing with people promoting or, or even booking shows, but, um, but it is similar to the way, I guess the festival circuit would work here. Even just when you're doing shows, you know, like people will, People will organize what's going on and who's moving. You know, they'll all the venues will talk and, and it'll be part of the promotion package. You know, so there is more of a unified blast, um, mm. generate excitement. And then the way people, the way people enjoy stuff is, I, mean, I don't know, I don't even think you can really like. There is certain regions of places. Like I remember playing in Germany. And this is actually a common thing in Germany where you play a show and you you're like three songs in you're like, man, we're fucking, we're on. But nobody, there's nothing we could do that would make anyone give up. So you keep playing and then it just starts wearing you down and you're just like, man, I don't think anyone cares about this. Like, I guess here we go, the last song. Let's, let's just finish this. And then you finish the song and I fucking roaring applause everyone's on their feet it's just like what where the hell did you come from this could have been so much better uh, <laughs> the whole
4: time yeah in the German way. but yeah i guess also in canada it's like we're very lucky to have the grant system that we do yeah
3: but
4: it, the grant system at least right now it also it does not want to give money to rock not its favorite thing to give money to and it's also because the grant system is based on what makes the most money so it all just sort of the snake eats its tail over and over again but like we've been told by people who like are professional grant writers like oh yeah i stopped doing rock bands because there's no money in it for grants. yeah like whether that's the demand of Humans, but like it's so weird. Like we we go to see Jack White or Queens of Stoneage, and suddenly like forty thousand oh, yeah. people are all converging in one place. You're like, there's a lot of people who like rock music. Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: yeah. They and there was a lot of investment to get all those people in one room to listen to that band all at once. Totally,
3: yeah. they
0: have no problem spending that cash when they when they know there's a bottom line. I find that that's the biggest struggle I have as a musician is the barrier to entry is. Um, Uh, perception rather than actual substance it's um you know i i I don't understand how anybody in the actual music industry thinks this is going to (laughs) work because it doesn't seem to make sense that you would put advertising ahead of the actual creative process yeah and it's always about like you know and i learned this when i was starting to get into indie publishing as well i wanted to figure out you know with my book and with my comic do i want to Do I want to go the standard route, find a a publisher and, and, you know, go the traditional way, or do I want to do it indie and, and see if I can crowdfund. And I went to these conferences and, you know, sat in on these round tables where people would talk from various different places, some traditional and some indie, and they would say the same thing. They're like, do you have an Instagram following? How many followers do you have? How much, how much engagement do you have? How much content do you put up? And it doesn't matter which route you go. You got to do the same thing. So my thing was like, maybe it's the way we're doing it, (laughs) you know? Totally. What do you think we could do differently that would that would kind of help elevate good music?
4: Uh, I mean, I guess it's hearing a lot, uh, a lot of like labels now will just sign TikTok people that have suddenly blown up It's somebody who's like never even played a live show will suddenly have a label deal and they'll suddenly be set on a stage in front of 4000 people but then like bringing it back to Kate Bush, like her story is that like she was discovered when she was a baby, like 16 or 17, but the label then gave her two years to write. Mm -hmm. Like, Here's the money go write stuff and develop. And then that's when she like learned how to dance and do all this weird shit and like become this super weird, intriguing human. But if they had been like, cool, you can play piano and sing high and you kind of write weird stuff. Like what songs we have ended up with from her and how long would she have existed? I don't know. Yeah. If if the world actually gave these kids or adults or whoever I like is blowing up a little bit of time, like you need to go work on it now just because somebody loves you shit at this moment. Like six months from now, no one's gonna know who you are because you don't have anything left to stand on.
0: Right.
3: I'm him-
4: but
0: imagine, imagine you had a magic wand. Mm-hmm. What would you change to make the uh, the system a little more uh, accessible for, for those of us that are trying to climb the mountain? Mm-hmm. Either or both of you. <laughs> uh, I,
2: I mean, it definitely, a lot of these, uh, you know... Uh, a lot of things that have worked in the past in, in rock and roll and punk rock and everything else is community, right? So it's like having yeah having a mutual space where, where you, you can work out with your peers and, uh, and just like enjoy each other's company and, and build, build your music off, e- off each other, you know? Like, and we're trying to do that a little bit with some of our pals, you know, like Vivian, who's in our band, has a great band as well. Vivian Wilder and Ace of Wands and sometimes their drummer Jody joins us as well. Like we're trying to do some of that and, it, and it, you could see how it's more effective for even just artists to, to talk about each other rather than just talk about themselves. I'm going to talk about myself, yeah. I'm going to talk about myself, I'm going to talk about myself. So like, instead of, you know, just from the, from the ground level, from the artist level, if, if, uh, if there was a little bit more support for each other and just like honesty and to like who should be uh, sonically on the same bill or whatever, just like, I mean, yeah. to, to deal with that. And it, I mean, like all of it is, you know, I I do find quite a bit that like when there is something interesting coming through town that like, needs needs an opening slot that is such prime there's there's only a handful of people to even ask who how to how to work that in and um, and it does it's it's that as well seems like it's fractured from from community whether there's label interest or or whatever else or or just like I i don't even know but it would be nice if things were presented in more of a package somehow. I mean, like, <laughs> you know. I understand are-
0: what you're saying about the community. Like, it it, it always it always seems to have been a ground-up thing. When you ever think about the great movements in music, it was ground-up.
2: Yeah. yeah. It was like,
0: yeah. you know, I always go back to grunge, which is like the reason that grunge was so big, so fast, is because no one gave a shit about Seattle. And so they were just like, screw it. Let's do it ourselves.
4: Totally. Yeah. And they, yeah, they yeah. Just- Hammered it out like playing shitty little. I mean, I just finished the Mark Lanigan autobiography and Tom's going through it right now, but it's like
5: mm-hmm.
3: a
4: Bible of grunge music and everything that he's describing in that community. It's they're all in that together. And yeah, it, I mean, it's a different time. It's like if I could wave a magic wand, it would be 1991. <laughs> like, that's my <laughs> magic wand.
5: But,
3: yeah. <laughs> I But otherwise, I
4: guess my my biggest wish is that it wasn't that question of how many followers do you already have. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. it's like especially like I don't want to be on TikTok 10 hours a day creating content. I want to be playing shows or making music. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And how are you even supposed to make good music if you're spending all your time on TikTok?
4: Yeah. Being like this was my day on tour. My day on tour was spent staring at my phone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <Right. Yeah. laughs> like, it's, it's wild that community is a problem
2: in a time of such great connectivity like, indeed that's true
4: yes yeah. totally yeah well, and
2: I, well it, it comes down to the venues it does seem like especially after you know how messed up things are going financially it's hard for venues to stay afloat right so they, they either just are all cover band all the time or dj and whatever or you know, a lot of the, some of the ones that were kind of like a community building spot, um, you did either didn't last or had changed their format, and uh, and Alma Combo, yeah, Elma, very a different, one, a and one. it becomes very much about like cool, let me see how many ticket sales you could do, and it can't, and yeah. then like, they throw, throw the risk of the whole night on one band and it, it, again it becomes the same thing where it's like well we just need to work on our band and how does how do we get all the people that we can get out on this one night yeah. which is of course what everyone wants to do and what everyone's gonna do if they have an original thing but uh it's it's like i
0: don't know that that's... i think i think one of the one of the challenges in toronto in particular is that uh, venues and musicians are not connected. Totally. Uh, and what I mean by that is musicians don't own venues because that's how that's how it used to be.
3: Yeah.
4: You know,
0: like I, yeah, it wasn't so long ago that um, the Orbit Room, yeah, uh, had yeah. some killer shit going on, and that's because oh, it's Alex Lifeson. Yeah. You know, um, who's going to care more about uh, Canadian music than you know the quintessential Canadian musician? Yeah. Um,
2: Right, and I mean that place definitely is one of the ones that I had in my head. Like Tim Tim Wilson, the guy that was managing it the whole time, was yeah was inviting all the musicians. Like most of the time, if you're musicians that if you're a musician that played there, then like the door person would know you. Everyone knows each other by name. Everyone spent time hanging out together, so you Listen. you walk in and it's like yeah it. It's not even a question. It's like, "Oh yes, come to your home. Let's let's uh let's have a drink, you know, like Yeah,
0: it's like an episode of Cheers. Totally. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. And then like there was <laughs> used to be an awesome Monday night that happened at like a restaurant in Parkdale. And it was amazing. It was like every, like Monday night is the musicians night off, and then they would have this rad right. band play, The Skyliners. And it was so cool, like such a scene, but it hasn't come back since the pandemic, apparently because the landlord of the building didn't like that it was so busy. <laughs> it's like,
3: ah, <laughs> like what are you supposed to do? <laughs> like,
0: I mean, <laughs> what are you even doing? Yeah. You know, like what is your job exactly? Yeah. I'm sorry. You're, you're too like, successful <laughs> to pay rent here. Like, oh,
4: like you better pay like thousands and thousands of dollars, but I want you to do it silently. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs>
4: I want you to go a restaurant bar venue, but silently with nobody coming
0: here. <laughs> right.
3: Like, what are we supposed to do?
0: My God, that makes me want to go uh, find out where that guy lives and just like put on a show on the sidewalk in front of his house. Every day.
4: Every
3: day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the show starts at 2 a.m. and it doesn't stop until 8. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to
4: make a community right here for your fucking
3: house. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, do you guys have any other questions? We've definitely crossed the hour mark.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so you have a show coming up. On oh yeah. Do <laughs> so you want to plug that at all?
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah. So that's that's one of the ones that we've been doing with Rich, who's on Horny for Pandemic. Yeah, that song really kind of sparked a whole, a whole, uh, a whole new thing. So we're going to be doing a record with him in the new year as well but uh she is he is just like a beautiful madman <laughs> we every gig is like he doesn't know what the hell he's going to do
0: oh <laughs> uh, we could hope it's like playing his, with Frank Zappa you know? it's like, <laughs> it's
4: very like he's not as it's not such a stern taskmaster He's far more fun <laughs> but,
3: yeah,
4: uh, nice. but yeah he's like has like a, he's like i'm going to fuck this pig on like a toy pig. <laughs> But you know, that just happened the other night. And uh, he almost like, broke his leg falling off a chair. And it's all, and then he choked himself with his belt. And
2: yeah, It's, it's like yeah. hilarious performance art. Yeah. And then. Uh, That's the in Owen B. Sound. Yeah, Owen Sound. Hartwood, Hartwood Hall, which is a, a great place to see music as well. They always have great sound.
3: Yeah,
4: It's
2: nice and comfortable. Uh, but. Yeah, and then we'll be playing with him again the next night at the Painted Lady in Toronto.
0: So, oh, beautiful! Awesome. I love that place. Yeah,
4: yeah. and cool. then we'll be in Hamilton on Sunday at Doors uh, Taco Joint. Oh, I
0: love Doors. I've never yeah. been
4: there. I'm excited to yeah, go. For
3: sure. excited to
0: check oh, out. it's great! Yeah, I, I I love playing there. I my uh the like thrashy kind of punk band that I was in before they uh they played there and they and. It was like there was multiple things going. It was like kind of a showcase with a bunch of different bands going on all at once. And they were like they set us up like basically in the space where the bathrooms were, and like there was there was like a dresser and a lamp. It looked kind of cool, but like they just set us up in the in kind of the doorway ish. And they were just like, "Yeah, okay, go." And we're like, "All right," and like we just yeah we. We deafened everybody that was trying to go to the bathroom that night.
3: That is some punk rock shit.
0: (laughs) I don't think you'll have to do that. I think they have a stage. We'll
3: see.
1: Yeah, we'll
2: see. Thanks thanks for
1: joining us tonight.
2: Thanks for
0: having us, guys. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, this is a great conversation.
2: Yes,
4: very much.
1: It was a lot of fun. All right. And. uh, All right. That's a good time, guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> time. You guys got that's-
1: anything to uh anything going on? I know Ben, you have a show coming up, right?
0: Yeah, we do. December 7th. Uh at uh, the, the Bovine one? Sex Club.
1: Okay. I want to make sure I yeah. still have the right graphic up. <laughs>
0: no, that's right. That's the one. Man, you're you're on top of everything, man. I don't even have to check. I
6: know, right? Uh, sure, sure. All right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know you're killing it, dude. Uh yeah, it's gonna be a great show. I'm we're so excited. Like, um we are more than ready. Every time we practice, I'm just like, I can't wait for people to see this stuff, man. Awesome. And, uh, and the album will be coming out the same day, so you can check it out on Spotify for those pu- fine people that uh, can't afford a, a plane ticket to Toronto. I know,
6: it's we Because we're, we're huge. Okay. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> We're huge in Toronto. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so uh, when uh obviously, you know, if you're not too huge for us at some point, Eric and I will have to make our way yeah. up to Toronto and you'll have to show us around. I'd love the to go back to Toronto soon.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I would love to have you guys. We could do a live show. We could like just wander yeah. the streets. I, I know all the, the the awesome spots. The places I don't know, all my friends know. So we could definitely make something cool happen.
6: Yeah, I would love to check out the scene up there. I went up there. I've only been up to Canada once to visit friends, and we didn't do any music at all. So, oh, it's, wow. Yeah, so it would be wonderful to be able to do a little, little tour with Ben. So, my um, my
0: favorite Toronto live music story is um, I was working uh, for this um, this terrible job where I was like a production manager for a company that did juice cleanses. And uh, the, the woman that ran it um, was uh, terrible, um, just really um, exploitative. And, but I met a lot of really cool people. And uh, the thing is, she hired a lot of people that were like, you know, brand new to the country and didn't really have any prospects. And uh, so I met some really interesting people, but they didn't really know the city very well. And so one of my coworkers loves music. And he said he'd never been to a live show before. Really? And I was like, what? And so yeah, I think it was like end of November around this time. This is years ago. And I met up with him uh, near the downtown area. And we started walking and it was freezing cold and we were not properly dressed because it was, you guys don't know, don't know Toronto, but it can be, it can be, um, you know, 30 and then all of a sudden it's, you know, 15, just like that, wow. uh, depending on the wind and the, the sun and all that kind of stuff. So it can change on a dime. And so we were, we were okay for the day. And then, you know, the sunset and we were like, Oh man, it's freaking cold. And so we're kind of just like huddled and moving as fast as we can down the street. And, uh, we, uh, we get to the spot and I'm like, this is it right here. My buddy's putting on a show and we pop in and then just head down the stairs. And all of a sudden it's like, it's warm, it's bright there's a crowd of people. There's crazy music playing. It was just like, that's the thing I love about Toronto, especially in the cold, is like, there's, the streets look empty. Everything looks desolate. But then you go inside, and it's just like life everywhere.
6: Nice. It's exploding. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. John, a you beautiful got place. No, uh, we don't have a whole lot going on. Uh, basically, through the end of the year, I'm just hanging out with you guys. This is my big thing. So. <laughs> all things are
0: rolling with Bad Bugs, though, right?
6: Yeah. Yeah, I think we got uh, – Mike's got Vanya going on right now, issue mm-hmm. four, I think. And then – That's one of one of the ones that makes me blush because it's it's a mature title, so (laughs) Uh, I'm not involved with those as much. But I did get asked for a couple opinions on the latest issue. We we had just wrapped Rosebud Manor last week, I think, so that did pretty well. Uh, uh, I can't wait for that one to come in. Yeah, and I actually got my first uh, comic paycheck ever. Like I, I've yeah. So I, I felt like, all right, yeah.
1: You know,
6: my my wife was actually like, I'm proud of you. I'm like, you know, it wasn't, you know, Marvel money or anything, right? She's (laughs) like, yeah, but you're still putting yourself out there. I'm like, it's true, you know. That's we start to hear hear about Marvel money
1: sometimes. It's not all that anyway. No, I know, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's that's the joke, but yeah, Yeah.
0: right, yeah.
1: That's great. What about you, Eric? What you got going on? Mm, Still got blister on Amazon. Hmm. Um, and oh The Chronicles of the Essence Guard Oh yeah, beautiful The uh, Muxpot production is uh, It launched the fourth season Just last Wednesday
0: Awesome so, yep.
1: And We're got doing got it monthly for a while do. We're doing it monthly for a while So um, there'll be a drop sometime in the middle of December But um, Cool
0: yeah,
1: it's, been a, it's been about a year since we put one out So it's um, pretty exciting Getting that moving again
0: yeah, very cool.
1: And then uh, if anybody wants to subscribe, <laughs> we are on all these things. So find a service and hit the subscribe button. Yep. We would appreciate. Or,
0: I mean, you can just keep listening every day or every week. It's, yep. it's all good. You should listen yep. multiple times. In fact, if you're not going to subscribe, yep. you should listen at least three times before the next episode. Yes. That's the deal. And that we'll is- be watching. We're going to know. I have friends in the CIA. I'm going to, I'm going to keep track of all this.
1: <laughs> Is there a Canadian equivalent of the CIA?
0: Yeah. I don't
1: know uh, about, like the Canadian secret service yeah. and stuff.
0: Uh, it's called CSIS. Um, it's kind of a convoluted thing actually. So I know a lot about this stuff cause I did some, uh, research on the history of, uh, uh law enforcement, um, in Canada. Uh, I don't know if this has been mentioned, but I got my ass kicked by cops years ago. And so like I definitely like, you know, hackles were up and I started looking into things. And uh, originally we have a like a federal police force similar to the FBI. And I think it was a similar thing in the States uh, during like around World War II. There was no FBI. There was just uh, like the Secret Service kind of thing. And then they split it into the CIA and the FBI after the war was over so that they had de- uh, domestic and foreign. And, uh, we have the sim uh, the same thing. So the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted police, which are like deadly do right. You know, the guy with the hat and the red jacket, uh, those are the they're actual adorable. police. <laughs> yeah. They're adorable unless you, uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> need a pipeline moving through a native community and then they're not so adorable no more. Um, but, uh, and, and the other, the foreign intelligence is called CSIS. It stands for Canadian Security and Intelligence Services, I think. Um, and they get themselves in all sorts of hot water all the time. Uh, I don't even know who pays their bills. I don't know who's in charge. No one ever knows this shit. It's crazy to me. But, like, it'll just be like, yeah, CSIS stepped in hot water again. Something bad happened. I'm just like... So-
6: which one of these is about to come knock on your door cuz you're talking shit about them?
0: <laughs> Probably both. Okay, like I mean, second. it'll be a CSIS agent <laughs> and 4 RCMP officers. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> all right. How are you doing guys? I pay your bills. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: Just tell them uh, they can go on any of these services and subscribe. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least subscribe if you're going to arrest me, okay?
6: Yeah. Can you get that out before you get tased or whatever? Do, do the Canadians hold tasers? I don't know. What do they have?
0: Yeah, we do. No, we um, we have um, uh, polite uh, shock collars that we put on. Okay. And so when you cross the line, they go, please don't do that. And then they ask you four times. And if you don't do it, then they shock you.
6: Okay, so it's not a holster well, with a rabbit beaver like I've heard. I just throw that at you,
0: you know? no, Okay. No, the rabbit beavers <laughs> are for, th- that's only Quebec.
6: Okay. Uh, very <laughs> regional. I got you. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, Yo, we're not all the same, John.
6: <laughs> I am not racist against Canadians. I
1: apologize. <laughs> oh, uh, it's been fun, guys. Yeah,
0: always. <laughs> Put
1: this one to bed, though. Yeah. Uh, so, who do we got for the next one? Um, my buddy Josh Caterer from the Smoking Pope's. Nice. Chicago, Amazing. Um, December eighth, we'll be chatting. That'll be a great time. Fantastic. And uh, I think he's going to do some tunes for us. So awesome. Ah, oh, wicked. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Make nice sure to awesome. subscribe.